0: Awesome. Yeah, got a lot long nice. longtail bass which was nice. Those are always fun when they come up. Right. Um what else? Uh some group, some other group are like scams, things like that. Right. Yeah. Like rose porgies. Are you targeting
2: when you doing that? Not really. Not
0: really, right. Yeah. It's just yeah. No. Just like luck of the draw, right? Kind of. I mean, it, you're, it's it, to say targeting, it's kind of a misnomer because most people think targeting they're thinking a t- specific species, where right. I'm I'm targeting a certain depth of the water right right so if i'm looking for you know demersal species species that are on the bottom i'm going to keep my jig within you know 20 30 feet of the bottom whereas if i'm targeting something like when i was in panama a couple weeks ago and there's yellowfin marking under the boat Mm -hmm. i'll drop down you know let's say we're marking them at 80 feet right i drop down 100 and rip through that whole area Mm -hmm. so that way you're kind of in that that strike zone you know it's kind of just about efficiency if you're looking for a specific fish in a specific area Mm -hmm. then that's where you want to hit them yeah, that's
2: cool. Yeah. So Yellow Edge, yeah, those Yellow Edge are nice. They're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My, they're they're my favorite grouper by far. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yellow Edge and Snowy definitely are my favorites in terms of eating-wise. They're yeah. just I mean, you can't beat it. You're like the grouper master, right? I was going to say that for you. Right? You're going to try to stay humble when I say that, but that's, that's the I've truth. Caught,
2: I've caught a few. Caught a few. Caught yeah. a few um you know you know one of the things too uh we could probably get into this later too Is i want to talk to you about some of the regulations and stuff oh yeah and get your opinion on that yeah
0: there's there's a there's a lot of regs that are coming out that i think are especially for gag grouper that are coming down the pipe that are that are not going to be good for the wreck angler yeah yeah,
2: yeah. I and mean, most of them kind of are better for like the pro angler right but if the, like the rec angler it's, I mean, it's not it's going to be it's, tougher it's going to be a
0: lot tougher i think they're going to have dramatically shorter seasons really gags yeah yeah if, if if not close them all together in certain areas
2: yeah wow yeah all right cool well listen um thank you very much for joining me today on memorial day weekend absolutely right? Mor- memorial day so i really appreciate you coming in i know we talked about hey do we want to reschedule this because we were like oh wait it's it's memorial day do we really want to do this on Memorial Day? but nick and yanni solid for coming in today um carlene understandably is not at the bar today she's with her family rightfully so um we're here with Benny Ortiz on the Connected by Water podcast, powered by Joy Cardi, Chrysler, Jeep Ram, and fueled by our good friends at poppas Pilar Rum, who remind <laughs> you never to be a spectator. And we are drinking the sherry cask today. So, Cheers. Yeah, yeah, cheers. Um, a couple things I want to bring up before we really, really get rolling. Um, number one, you have a seminar coming up in Tampa?
0: Yeah, I've actually got two coming up in that Tampa area. I've got one on next uh, Sunday, the 5th. That's Mm going to be at Tampa Fishing Outfitters, and actually in Tampa. Okay. Then on the sixth, I'm going to be up in Crystal River at Sodium. So there's going to be yeah, they haven't advertised that one yet, but it's coming out pretty soon. When is that going to? You don't know when yet. No, it's going to be on the sixth, that Monday, and it's probably going to be about six, seven o'clock at night at Sodium in Crystal River.
2: Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, So, so I've got two. We air this in the, our platforms a week from today, but we do go live on our platforms. So whoever's right, watching cool. live today can, can be able to um, get wind of that one. Do you yeah. have any other things coming up on, on the schedule like that? <laughs> no, uh,
0: no seminars or anything like that, yeah. but I'll be out there fishing. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. That's, for, that's cool. So what do you go through in these seminars? Uh, usually in the seminars, I try to do it as a foundational thing, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, slow pitch is still fairly new, and that's kind of my specialty, if you will, is slow right. pitch jigging. Um, so I go through you know, the raw, the real, the tackle, all the whys behind it. Because a lot of times folks see the stuff and they just don't understand why it's set up the way it is or why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And when you, I feel like when you explain the why behind it, give them a little bit of the history and why it works this way, a lot of lights kind of go off in people's heads like, oh, that makes sense. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, how, how am I catching a 50 pound black grouper on 30 pound braid? You know, most people just conceptually don't get that right but once you walk them through it then oh that makes sense you know you yeah. can do that very cool mm-hmm. the other
2: thing i want to bring up before we really get rolling is also another mention about our new Starbright program and what we're doing there um you know once again we have teamed up and partnered uh connected by water has with Starbright solutions and Corey redwine um, at C Red Wine at StarBright underscore com is at Instagram, and also at Connected by Water at Dennis Real Art. You could tag any of those uh, social medias in your post when you post about somebody cleaning up their coastline or the beach or doing good, hashtag do-gooder is our hashtags because we're looking for do-gooders um, doing um, really good things on the coastline. And we are going to announce a winner every week. Uh, we are also going to post up about this for our big announcement on it. Um you will win this bucket of Starbright solutions. Um, you know, got the degreaser and you know the the reggae sponge and we got the boat wash and all the good things. The uh, salt, that's off. salt off yeah, all good stuff, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Um all eco-friendly products too. Um and that's really the whole point of it is the eco-friendly aspect of it um please follow at c red wine um red wine and starbright um to see all the wonderful things that they have going on uh, we couldn't be more excited about this program and again we need your nominations we need you to nominate the do-gooders in your local area and you know and we will be uh, rolling out the, the awards for this very soon uh, once we start getting a bunch of nominees to analyze the brand new program so we're just starting to roll it out now so we're going to be posting up about it and. um I hope everyone gets involved in it. We're really excited about the program. Um so and you know conservation's a big deal here at Connected by Water and I'm sure it is for oh, you yeah. as well. It's huge. Um you know and pretty much everyone we bring on here is like-minded in that aspect that you know we can't do enough good. Um and one of the mindsets that we want everyone to have is there's no goal for this. It's basically changing a mindset and changing a lifestyle and changing the way we as human beings operate. In relation to our clean water aspect, our clean coastline aspects, um, and not saying, "Okay, we cleaned up that beach; our goal has been reached." High five, everyone! It's, no, like, it no, it's about changing the way you think, really, and, and and that's really what what we're all about. So, um, Benny, yes, Master sir? Angler, and some would say, um, "Slow pitch jig pioneer." I've right? heard that before once yeah, or twice. Yeah, well, I'm sure you have because it's true. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about. Um, before coming on the show, saying it really exploded into this big thing. Like we even had last we had um, uh, Tom and Trista from Hooker Electric on here on, on the previous episode, and I told him that you were coming on, and Tom was like, "I just started doing it, and I got addicted to it. I got addicted yeah. to it. So tell me what is it about
0: it that that's really causing it to explode? I think there's a couple things that are that are causing it to explode, probably three things. I think number one, just it's so fun. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just there. There's nothing like getting a strike on a jig. You know, right. you're just everything. It's going. Everything's just so smooth and perfect, and then all of a sudden, just just minutes of violence happens. Right. Right. Um, that's number one. Um, number two is that it's really the only new thing in fishing that's out there right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to iCast, you know, everyone throws around the term game changer and all that. You know, you see it every single year. You sure. know, for the most part, it's not. You know, it's, there's, there's a bunch of good stuff that comes out for sure, but there's nothing actually new in fishing that really comes out until this slow pitch happened a couple of years ago. So I think that is, is, is another reason. Um, and I think the third reason is just like, people are inquisitive you know they they see this happening out there like oh let me kind of look into it a little bit more let me try to get on board you know the barriers to entry aren't too too bad anymore you know you can mm-hmm. still you can get a reasonably priced setup up now whereas before you know when i started doing this you were ordering things blind yeah. from japan um you know so there's there's a lot more out there and it's kind of just growing that ecosystem you know, it's like having a CVS across from a Walgreens and both of them do really well. It's like having all of that stuff out in these tackle stores now is just kind of growing that momentum. So now you're finally seeing it catch on. So it's like, you know, thousands of people are out there doing it now. Whereas, you know, back when I started, it was like five. It is It is like <laughs> thousands. You know? Yeah, and, and yeah, that was yeah. A, That's a
2: big thing that I, that one of the big reasons I wanted to bring you on is because you are someone that can really educate the crowd, not only on methods and techniques and, you know, obviously you can Um but also the history of it yeah right yeah so you mentioned japan and i was hoping you'd be able to talk about that as well
0: sure so the the whole technique started in japan it started by uh, it was originally founded by this guy named Norihito sato right mm-hmm. and um what was going on in japan is they had a very high pressure fishery they don't have the regulations necessarily that we have for species so a lot of stuff was getting fished out but they also have a very unique fishery and so far as the japanese islands are you know essentially a volcanic archipelago really so it goes into very deep water very quickly over there. So they, ha- they were targeting a lot, of, a lot of fish in very deep water, they had to figure out an efficient way to get down to those fish mm-hmm. um, and also to target these fish that were super high pressured. Right. So what they did was really scale down the tackle and just kind of in the way that the, really only the Japanese culture can do hyperthink the situation right to the point where they think alright well do we even need hooks? You know, that's something as basic as that and then mm-hmm. build up from there an entire system that is designed to work together from literally the hooks, the leader, the assist cord, the, you know, line-to-line connections, the the micro guides that are on the on the rods, the types of rods, the recoil on them, the way that the, the rods are laid out, all that stuff was just hyper thought. Um, You know, and it was very specifically tailored to that Japanese fishery. So, this is probably, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, you know, big companies like Shimano, one of my sponsors, um, they got into it fairly early, but they were kind of into their own thing with the butterfly jigging, right? And that's how I got introduced to jigging here in the United States. Mm-hmm. So about, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I got my butterfly jigging set up, you know, the jigs and they were in grams i had no idea <laughs> you know the conversion from right. grams to freedom units you know and um <laughs> and you know just having no idea i'm horrible with that stuff i always tell people i, uh, I went to art school man and, i don't know and now now I'm, yeah. like, I'm, I'm like i'm like i'm pick up a jig blind my like, god it's about 350 <laughs> ish you know in grams um but uh you know when we first started kind of Figuring out what was going on, we tried to mirror what was happening in Japan because obviously, if they were the pioneers of the technique, they know what's going on. But what we didn't realize is we really had to tailor that to this fishery here in the United States. That's
2: what I was going to ask. I mean, it's it's, even though it's a similar kind of, you know, it's a similar concept. Yeah, similar water temps and everything like that Mm -hmm. in in certain areas, but similar concept. But it's it's a lot different. Yeah,
0: Yeah. you know, you're fishing here, for instance, you know, in South Florida, a lot of times you're fishing over heavy structure. You've got big angry grouper down there, big angry snapper down there that are going to rock you up, amberjacks, things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas over there, they're not necessarily structure-based. It's, um, you know, they're they're kind of out there in the deep water and yeah, there might be a rock or something, but it's not like fishing a wreck necessarily like it is here. Um, so yeah, it was really, it was a, a very expensive game of trial and error,
1: really, right. from I the bet. beginning,
0: you know, because a lot of the sites, and this is, you know, now Google, you can translate a whole page, you know, from Japanese to English, and it's relatively coherent, you know, Mm -hmm. but back then, you really couldn't, so it was just looking online, trying to find the limited amount of videos that were out there, most of the stuff was in Japanese, it was very difficult to find information, so we kind of took the bare bones information that we could find, Mm -hmm. and just started applying it over here, and when we took their, you know, exactly what they were using over there, started using over here, we started really, you know, we started hooking up with fish, but we really got our asses handed to us a lot of times. So we realized, all right, something's off. Mm -hmm. We got to tweak some, some things. Um, That's where we kind of, we went a little bit heavier with our line to try to find the balance point between strength and thinness. And we can go into that stuff in in a little bit. Sure. But, um, you know, just getting it dialed for this particular fishery took probably two or three years before before wow. I, I got it to the point where So you were I was like I was like all right yeah. this is this is what we need here. Okay. Right. And then after that it kinda of branched out where people are now um you know now they're using like microelectric reels. There's you know mm-hmm. people are using ultra thin diameter lines, you know, down to like ten pound test and right. you know a thousand I thought feet that of was of the water. significant thing about
2: Tom telling me that he just fell in love with it fell in love with it because mr electric reel mm-hmm. right you know he's used to going Brr, and right there yeah <laughs> a little I mean, push but, button fishing but he's like no man I'm, I'm i'm fishing i'm fishing this is great he was yeah. said he was having a blast he was addicted to it
0: yeah you know they have these these new reels out right now um you know they're they're this big they're tiny little reels mm-hmm. that are not much bigger than a regular conventional reel that are electric reels so um they have plenty of capacity they have all the drag you could ever want and you know you can fish all day long jigging that reel just like a regular conventional reel and then when you're done hit the button come on up wow you know (laughs) personally i'm not a electric reel guy you You know i i think um i i think there's something sporting about about actually actively reeling the fish up right you know i kind of think of uh slow pitch jigging is like the archery of of fishing Gotcha. you know it's like you're you have you're, you're not using bait you know you have these little tiny hooks you've got light line and it's pure skill you know out mm. there whereas bait you can throw down whatever hit a slab of something and you know fish will come along and get it yeah and
2: jigging is definitely a different animal much different you know and um and even you know if i mean another different animal too if i can liken it to another kind of method would, would be if you're like rooster fishing in costa rica yeah and you get the poppers and you just like cross water you're just like nonstop. stop it's like man, after a while you're just like uh-huh Dude, I got to stop this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but jigging, you know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing. Take me to the difference between the slow pitch though.
0: All right. So slow pitch to speed jigging, the mm-hmm. differences. All right. So speed jigging is you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to mimic a wounded, or sorry, an injured bait fish that's fleeing away. Something that's like, you know, scared and running. So mm-hmm. oftentimes that'll attract your more of your pelagic fish or your fish like, uh, like amberjacks, the jack family that are that are into chasing things right right occasionally you'll get snappers things like that but the you know I my seminars I joke about like you know you're doing it right if you feel like you're gonna have a stroke right (laughs) because you're going really fast right Um, you know a lot of folks don't do the math on it you know if you actually take you know the one handle crank and how far that is in terms of retrieve you're not really moving the jig all that fast in the water you think you are but Mm -hmm. max you're going like seven or eight miles an hour So it's not that quick, but you still, you're trying to rip that jig through the water column and usually you're going from the bottom all the way up, you know, three quarters, all the way to the top of the water column. With slow pitch jigging, it's a little bit different because you are trying to mimic a wounded or injured bait fish that's kind of on its last legs, right? So you're focusing not necessarily on the retrieve of the jig with like speed jigging. You're focusing on the fall of the jig. So what'll happen is, you know, you have, have a couple of different examples of slow pitch jigs here. Um, you know, you have jigs that are long and skinny like this, and you mm-hmm. have jigs that are short and fat like this one, and they all have different falling patterns in the okay. water.
2: Are you seeing those in the frame? Yeah, we, All right, cool. Yeah, I just want to make so sure that people can people we'll, watch you know, I'll I'll kind of, yeah,
0: I'll kind of hold them up for some folks if they want to take a look. Um, but really keying into the different shapes of jigs and how they fall in the mm-hmm. water are, is going to you know, be dictated by the, the conditions of the day, right? So yeah. whether you have a lot of current, a lot of wind, if you're in deep water, shallow water, um, the type of action that you want to get on the, on the jig itself, how you're going to actually pitch the jig, you're all just mimicking that wounded, dying bait fish. So it's it's just an easy meal for predators to come get. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if you want to target fish that are in the bottom portion of the water column, you know, real close to the bottom, always count your handle turns, you know? So if I have my reel and one one handle turn is about three feet, I'm always counting my full revolutions, even if I'm only going in halves or thirds or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That way I know exactly where my jig is in the water. Um, Whereas if I'm coming, you know, I can, I know if I'm dropping down, sometimes I'll use metered line. If I'm targeting fish that are suspended in the water column, that's really the difference. And really um, for the angler, the difference is the taxation on the body. Really, right. it's, it's, it's you know, and that's really one of the reasons why I started Slow Pitch in the beginning was because it's so hard to speed jig in South Florida summer heat. Right. I mean, it's just it's like, it's, 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 it's yeah. just kills you, you yeah. know, when you're out there on the water. It's hard enough being out there in 95 degrees with 100% humidity. Yeah. Now you're basically sprinting with your arms, you know, right. <laughs> and you, and you, and you, well,
2: even if like you're in a tournament, for example, mm-hmm. and you got full spread out, there's always, you know, Every now and then, you're like, you know, drop one down, start jigging, and it's like, you do it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. We just did all this, and we we just loaded the boat. We're like, out here, we got all this whole spread out. You want me to jig? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that's you.
0: Exactly, and that's that's one of the things that's really cool about slow pitch is that you don't have to kill your body to do it. You know, when you're using the tackle correctly because it's all so specifically designed, it doesn't tax you that much Mm -hmm. as an angler. You know, you can do it all day long. And, you know, from everything from the hookup to the, to landing the fish is just so much more relaxed. Right. You know, it's not, you're not fighting the fish in the traditional way where it's that lift and pump and, you know, you're going to beat that fish and break its will. It's more of a, oh, come on up, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yep. it's, 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 you know, a, a lot of examples, is, it's like, you know, you have the dog r- walking around here, sweet dog, right? Yeah. But If that dog sees a squirrel running across the street, he might want to go get it. Yeah. Right? She's going to she, Yeah. She'll yeah. go, she'll go off there and get it. Same thing with the, with the fish with slow pitch. It's like, you know it's this kind of docile fish just hanging out but it sees this fluttering thing mm-hmm. that it's, its instincts are going to go and strike it but just like that dog if, if it goes and tries to go after that squirrel if you pull back on that leash really hard on that dog it's going to fight harder because right. it's going to want to go but if you kind of gently walk it around it's going to go with you a lot easier the same thing with the fish on the way up you know after that initial you know couple runs down most of the time, the way up is actually really, really calm and, and smooth because mm-hmm. you're not fighting that fish. And it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't realize that it's, you know, going up, you know, to, to the boat, but it, it sure seems like it. And right. it, it comes a, a lot more cooperative yeah. to, to come up. Do yeah. you think it could be a bladder thing too? Well, there's, well, it depends on the fish, right? right? So if you have a, you know, a fish like a grouper or a snapper where they're going to get barotrauma and mm-hmm. you're going to, you know, they're going to blow up a little bit. That'll happen, you know, once they get off the bottom. Right. Um, but you know, other fish like even tuna, you know, that, that you catch them mid-water column. Sometimes, you know, even in the bottom. You know, we've caught tuna on the bottom in 900 mm-hmm. uh, during the day. Wow. And yeah. It, it, that's another thing too that's really cool about this. Kind of as an aside, is that we've realized that the traditional ways of catching fish in Florida, you know, specifically, fish aren't where people think they are a lot of the time. Right, and we've and we found them on jigs in different areas. Like for well, that's instance, good. Jigging, yeah. sometimes you'll get a king. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in those tournaments, if
2: you only if you only drop it halfway down the column. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: well, for instance, uh, if I want to talk about kingfish, uh, about what a month and a half ago, two months ago, I don't really want to talk about. No, it. <laughs> that's no cool. It's can. all good. <laughs> we no, but I, I, we we're off a of, we're off a of Palm Beach. we were kind of messing around for mutton snapper in like mm-hmm. 140 feet, and I just got blasted by something off the bottom. You know, just rocketed offshore turned out to be an almost 60-pound kingfish mm-hmm. and landed it on a jig, and people were just like, they, minds were blown. They were like, you have yeah. never seen a kingfish that big. And they were like, it looked so relaxed when you were just kind of slowly winding them in. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool.
2: You brought some rod setups over there. I did, yeah. I you want to take those out here? Sure, right? yeah. Let me
0: take you
2: right back. Yeah, yeah. We're cash here, man. Let me see some of these lures. You know, the cool thing about these lures, man, it's like, they're little works of art. They're like modern art, though. Like, you never see these jigs. They're like, if you look at, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you look at, like, a like a traditional, like, American, like, like a Rappler or something yeah. like that, it's like, those are, like, classic works of art. You know what I mean? But if you look at these, they just like, 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 uh, Calder's, like the Mobiles or something like that. They're it's, like little works of art. It's man. really cool. Yeah. I mean, they're- it's heavy.
0: Yeah. This one's a 300 gram, so that's about 10 ounces, give or wow. take. Um, and this is kind of on the the mid size, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. I fish jigs up to five, six hundred grams. Oh wow! Depending on how deep we are. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah. So we brought over a couple of setups. Um, this is kind of my general all around setup here. This is um, this is a Shimano Osha Jigger 2000. This is okay. Kind of a jack of all trades reel. Um, on this, I have 20 pound Power Pro, so not particularly heavy line. Mm-hmm. And then I have it to a 50 pound leader here. And I, I shortened the leader just so you could kind of see With this the floral? knot. Yeah, this floral leader. okay um, You can see that knot that I have there, that's called a PR knot. That's called pretty. Yeah, right? That's a PR stands that's, for it. Yeah. That's a good job on that one. Yeah, nice. so this is um, part of the reason for this knot here is because you can see the guides are really small. Yeah. And these aren't even the smallest of, of the guides that you'll see on slow pitch type rods. This is a game type slow J uh, by Shimano, um, the medium version. But in order to get through these guides, you need to make sure that you have a very slim line-to-line connection. So you mm-hmm. can't use really bulky knots. You know, a lot of times people are like oh, yeah, the like uni to use so the uni, yeah. and that yeah. works so good. Um, and also, this is a hundred percent connection if you tie it correctly. Ooh. So you have, you know, you retain all of your breaking strength uh, between your braid and, you know, your fluorocarbon leader. So most of the time, if you're going to break, uh, if you know, if you get hooked up on the bottom or something like that, because that happens occasionally, right. you'll lose it at the knot here as opposed to losing the the whole leader up front. Um, I have this one set up here, to a uh, two hook or a two hook rig on top, and generally speaking, um, you know you'll have two hooks on the top, two hooks on the bottom, for most setups. And these are three O Gamagatsu hooks. Okay. And the, kind of the unique part about these is, um, you'll see is the barb is on the outside. Of oh, these okay. hooks, you can see that right there. The barb Why? is on the outside. The reason why the barb is on the outside of these is because when the, the jig's kind of doing its thing in the water, sometimes it'll flip and it'll catch your leader. Mm-hmm. By having the barb on the outside, it slides off right there so it doesn't get caught and it doesn't foul up your jig. So you mm-hmm. have a le- less fouls on your jig that way, but still retaining the actual you know, catching power yeah. of the barb on the outside. Um, and you use these little tiny hooks and, and just kind of, for instance... I, so that barb on the outside is just as effective as a hook yeah, lip? Yeah, just as effective. Yeah, absolutely. I've noticed no difference in terms of hookups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes when I use a deeper water setup, I'll go to a single larger hooks, so usually like a 6 mm-hmm. Um I'll use kind of a... And just to have one on top, one on the bottom, just to have a little bit less moving parts down there. But for the most part, this is the setup that I run. I run to, a, you know, my terminal connection here is a 50-pound fluoro, sometimes I'll use 60-pound fluoro to a swivel, a mm-hmm. ball-bearing swivel on top. These are spros. Um, use a split ring to connect to, um, to my hooks, and then the split ring will, is what I'll use to connect my jig. So my hooks are always independently swinging okay. of the jig. The reason why that is, and the reason why you don't want to tie directly to the jig here, you don't want to give any, any kind of advantage to the fish where they can kind of pry out the jig By moving their head right by having that independently the jig can do its own thing up here but you're gonna have pretty much a direct connection to your line Mm -hmm. irrespective of where that jig is all the time so it's gonna keep a a nice connection now with the the smaller hooks though um, you know a lot of times people see these these types of hooks and they're "What kind of fish can you catch with them I on these particular hooks I've, I've caught 70 pound AJ's I've caught 50 pound black groupers a lot of people don't think that these types of hooks would be able to handle fish like that but by having multiple hooks on there, what you're doing is you're dissipating the weight so not any one individual hook is bearing the full brunt right. of, of of the fish. So do you find most of the times both hooks are, are engaged? Yeah, most of the time what will happen is you'll have, you know, because you'll have hooks on the, you'll have hooks on the bottom of the jig and hooks on the top of the jig. Okay. Right? And that's a difference, major difference between that, this and speed jigging. Speed jigging, you usually run one hook on the top. Now by having the two hooks, usually you'll get a strike and the fish will get one set in the mouth and then by shaking, the other ones will kind of wrap in so you, you really have a very secure hook set connection mm-hmm. on the fish. But the reason why you have them on both sides is because you know, fish generally attack from the head first. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't know if this is the head of the fish or this is the head of the fish, but all they do know is that most of the time in the water, fish aren't going backwards. Yeah, Directionally speaking. Right? Directionally yeah. speaking. So yep. if, they, if, they go, if the jig is happening to go in the water this way, They'll attack from this side and this way. They'll attack from this side. And that's why you have the both um both sets on there.
2: Don't mean to interrupt you. We are going to take this call real quick. This is Mike Myat from Papa's PLR room. All right. Mr. Mike. Dennis Real. How What's you doing, sir? On on
1: my brother. How I'm you doing? doing? Well, man. You watching the show? Uh, I am watching the show. Say because hello to Benny. It. Yeah. Hey, Benny Benny's hey, good, hey, huh? Uh, you know what?
2: Benny is a freaking legend. Yeah.
1: Um, you know what? I, I th- used to throw lead and I could never, like, with my spaghetti arms, not like your like, lumberjack arms yeah.
2: that you can just <laughs> yeah. sit there
1: and jig, and jig and jig and jig and jig and jig. But I don't want to tell you is that uh, Georgie Pavaramo, Ramo, freaking Harry, all those guys said, You're the master. I watched all your YouTube stuff. Dude, you are seriously. Freaking bastard in your craft. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very well, much. Well, Mike,
2: you know, we only bring on the best of the best on this show, and you know Benny, Benny absolutely fits that bill.
1: Well, he does. He does. So happy Memorial Day to you guys and to uh, everyone that gave all and never came home. You know, I give my blessings and to all their families, you know, my heartfelt prayers and thanks. But, uh, you know, couldn't let a Memorial Day go by without uh, giving you a shout-out, Danny.
2: Yeah, thanks, man, thanks you're, Mike. You're the best, bro. Yeah, you too, man. And, and I'm glad you brought that up about the uh, the real reason for Memorial Day, because I actually wanted to mention that at the beginning of the episode, and I failed to. So I'm, I'm happy you're catching me on my mistake. So
1: thank you so much for that. No, it's not, it's not a mistake. You know what it is? Is you know this Veterans Day, this Memorial Day, and uh, I happen to have a younger brother that was a uh, member of Recon at the time in Columbia, Panama. And uh, three tours in the sandbox. And oh, wow. he reminded me today that it wasn't about him. It was about uh, his brothers that he couldn't bring home. Right. And, you know, that's uh, a very sobering thought because freedom's not free. Nope. I mean, it's, it's, it's not free. And, you know, I've never served, um, but I am patriotic. Uh, I don't care what political party people are involved in, but when it comes to days like today, um, fly the flag, uh, thank you, lucky blessings and, uh, have the jig master on. <laughs> 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 that's <laughs> it. Get much better that's
2: that, it. We right? want to say thanks to those guys who laid down their lives, you know, by, by keeping, keep moving forward. And that's what they probably would have wanted.
1: Exactly. You don't want, uh, they didn't do it. They didn't do it for nothing. They did right. it for everything. Hundred percent. So, so uh what are you guys doing? Having any pops flour?
2: We got the sherry cast today. Yeah, we did. Yep. Oh, yep. Nice. Yes, we nice. are. Nice. That's why I said to Benny, so, I said, "Yeah, you like rum." He goes, "That's my drink." What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> so, Benny, yes, sir? Uh, Talk to me about your lures a little bit. I mean, when when I first started deep jigging or you know slow jigging or whatever the phrase is, it was all about like the Shimano stuff. Yeah uh what are you using now for you for lures
0: so i'm um, using lures from a, a lot of companies including shimano actually shimano has a lot of really good offerings um in in the slow pitch realm they've got one uh that's out in the market right now this is the one i'm holding up it's called the shimmer fall uh, i've caught a lot yep. of great fish on this one it's kind of a longer more slender jig designed to get down fast um hopefully we're gonna have some more uh weights coming out in this one and then uh this one here is called the wing fall uh this one has the uh, the scale, uh, scale boost on it, which is like a scale pattern, which is kind of cool. So right. it actually mimics a, a bait fish this is a little bit wider, fatter. Um, you've got a whole bunch of different offerings that are out there. And really the cool part about it is that you can really dial in your lures now to the exact conditions of the day. So long as you know how that lure is going to perform in the water, you have a lot of really repeatable action on these lures and you can dictate what you're going to use in what particular circumstance based on, you know, you know, I know that this lure, whether I fish it in a 210 gram or a hundred gram, it's going to react the exact same way in the water. Um, and right. I'm just going to kind of extrapolate what I'm going to use based on, all right, how deep am I? How's the current going? And then I'm going to kind of get it dialed into the action that the fish are, are really keyed into that day.
1: We were, we were down at Tropic Star Lodge a couple of years ago and did some deep, deep jigging. And I had uh, my jigging machine, Adrian Gray from IGFA yep. with me who is he, the guy's a machine, the guy, he will cast poppers a thousand times a day. Then he'll deep jig for two hours in a row.
2: Uh, and yeah, yeah, he's an animal.
1: He's an animal. He's probably the best all around fisherman uh, ever met, uh, outside of Robert, Robert Collins and, uh, maybe Larry Dahlberg. I mean, he's in that class. Adrian is that good, but, uh, you know, speed jigging. He brought up these amberjacks jacks that were just like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> you know? I'm like, no, no. He brought up a broomtail grouper and he wanted to get my picture with it so bad. He goes, do it, my, do it. Hold it, hold it, hold it. That thing hit me in the head. It was like, <laughs> down goes Frasier. <laughs> he really was down goes Frasier but uh but anyway, Benny, you know you're an inspiration, and uh you know a lot of people that uh don't think they can do it they can do it I mean absolutely it, not everybody has spaghetti arms like me uh but not everyone has like tree trunks like you <laughs> but uh but you know what uh you, you're getting it done and you're bringing it to everybody and it's it's very appreciated and you know from the, the team at Papas Pilar, and you know we love uh, we love Denny and his whole team to pieces. So come uh, uh, on, guys! Thanks, right.
2: Mike. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, that's you really how words. A great Thank night. you. You too. All right, take talk care. to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Yeah, Mike's a, the man getting a shout out by the band. Yeah, Mike's that. the man. No, he
2: listen, I'd love being part of the Papa's Pilar family. Yeah, really, probably like it's it's a great fraternity to be involved in. Like yeah. it really, really is. Well, that. I've been supporting them from the sidelines for years now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get you on the field. <laughs> Definitely. No, I mean, listen. Mm-hmm. Get, get, likes to me he, he loves calling in on the show and i, I, always, no, I always always pick up for him when he does yeah, he right? brought it's he really brought
0: great. up uh you know george poveromo and yeah. uh, and captain harry I mean, that was kind of one of the first times after i did some seminars down at captain harry's mm-hmm. uh, i guess carrie uh, or harry told uh, george he's like look you got to fish with this guy they say yeah. they, they say he can fish let's bring him out there let's do a, a bait versus jigs right thing and um you know I will humbly say that I smoke them <laughs> and, <laughs> and that really that really changed George's uh, George's mind a lot yeah. when he when he saw kind of the effectiveness of it and, and really having it done by someone who you know really knows what's going on mm-hmm. he was like oh this makes a lot of sense and i was explaining everything to him he's asking all the right questions we had just a great day out there it was a lot yeah of
2: fun. that's great i'm going have to bring you if you want to come back on i'd love to bring you on with george george that would be awesome yeah he's he's yeah, been on I the show george. a dozen times mm-hmm. yeah for, he comes on all the time i'd I love hanging out with him he's That'd such a great so guy fun. yeah such a great guy so i we cut you off here when you were talking about directional aspects of these lures yeah yeah so right
0: we were talking a little bit about the different types of lures um you know so you have you know, i have a couple of different types of lures here. So we've got one here from Sea Falcon. We've got one here. Sea Falcon's a Japanese company. Um, Shimano, obviously, both Japanese companies here. So they're kind of the pioneers of really getting the stuff dialed in. Um, And these are all original jig designs, which I think is really important. Um, You know, one of the things that you see with jig designs often is, you know, most of the jigs get made in factories in Weihang, Weihai, China. You know, okay. That's just really where most of the stuff happens. Um, you know, sometimes companies will have um, you know, different... Not to be uh, confused with Wuhan, China. Not to be confused with <laughs> Wuhan, Weihai, yeah, the, uh, the economic district where almost all of the fishing tackle is produced. Okay. All right, so over there, they'll have these... You know, different companies will come up with these different designs, and if they don't pay enough money to these companies, they will basically sell the mold. Mm -hmm. you know for these jigs and slap a different color paint on it charge a little bit less money um but but the jigs that i brought here today are all original design jigs which i think is super important because that's going to really support the people who are leading the way in terms of innovation
2: you mean original design like hand designed like
0: yeah like they'll hand design these jigs you know what they'll do is they'll mold out of clay get an idea sometimes they'll do 3d renderings of them um you know and then actually bring them out into the water to fish them deal with different types of coatings you know in terms of um you know, the, the type of finishes that they put on the jigs in terms of make them more durable, the different types of glows that they put on the jigs, the different types of paints. Some of the paints are infused with UV, mm-hmm. you know, like, for instance, like this black jig here. This is by Jig Pro. Um, you know, this jig actually, one, when he was working on this jig, he, he asked, you know, what color should I make? I was like, you need a black jig. Right. I was like, you need a black jade, but it has to reflect UV light. So, what they did is they put some UV paint, UV, you know, into the paint. Interesting. So, if you hit a UV light on this thing, this whole thing will actually light up even though it's black. Wow. And this is probably one of the better producers in terms of colors. So, is that,
2: that kind of almost would relate to like a theory of bioluminescence?
0: Yes. Right?
2: Absolutely. Nice. I
0: mean, I, I've, I've talked about this before, and it's very bro science because I don't have any empirical data to, sure. to support it other than. I like pro science uh, yeah, better than real uh, science. Yeah, so, yeah, other than yeah, being percent. on the water and, right? and the shit works, right? <laughs> so what I've, what I've found is that it's not necessarily the glow that makes fish hit jigs. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have found is that if a jig reflects UV light, if you can flash a UV light on it and it actually kind of lights up on there, not just the glow part, but the actual jig itself, so like mm-hmm. oranges, um, whites, uh, if it has UV in there, the black will, will even do it for whatever reason fish tend to key in on those more than jigs that don't do that
2: so i mean with the with the whole roy Biv aspect of it Mm -hmm. right and the light and losing the 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 colors and the violet is like the last one right Right. i guess that kind of makes sense though because if you're gonna already cut to the chase and make it glow then it's probably going to get lost right and And be pointless by the time it gets down to where it's right. right one
0: step further than that is that you know a lot of the colors that we see up here and this is what you brought up what we see at, in the, our visible light spectrum here above the water is going to be drastically different than what you see at 100 feet, 200, 300, and then you get down to 500 plus where it's basically pitch black, mm-hmm. right? So there's something else that's going on. Those fish still have eyes. Golden tilefish have sure. eyes, right? And it's not because there's an abundance of light down there. They have to be keying in on something else. And the only thing that will go through, you mentioned Roy G. Biv, that's the visible light spectrum, but one step beyond that is the ultraviolet spectrum right and the ultraviolet spectrum does penetrate deeper in the water and i think that that is part of the reason why these fish will see these things Mm. and actually because there's no scent you know you have there's no scent there there is a certain amount of the lateral lines will key into the movement in the water you know and you'll you know i've seen videos where people drop down for tiles or snowies and you know the lead hits the bottom and all these fish kind of congregate right there but something's got to get them to to go after it bite, it, yeah. right and i think that that uv is that little extra oomph, that if, if mm-hmm. it's the deciding factor that's what i would go with yeah it it's, might be real yeah it might yeah. Be, yeah exactly
2: yeah interesting you know i always think too about the deep water fish mm-hmm. and we say okay you lose the light you lose the color okay it's you know but i always kind of liken it to like if you're in a dark room and you open your eyes eventually your eyes are going to adjust you're adjusting yeah. How must that be for those fish that are always down there? Yeah, just perma-dark. Perma time. Dark, right? Yeah, it's too perma-dark for us. <laughs> yeah. But to them, they could probably see just like it's- Yeah, that's cause, normal. Because they've adjusted for so long that way.
0: Yeah, and then you have other fish that, you know, I mentioned before. That's bro science right Yeah, now, there it right? is. You know, other fish that I've mentioned before, like tuna, you know, where most of the time they're up in the, you know, upper water, middle water column. Mm-hmm. And so there's plenty of visible light, but you'll find them, you know, we call it, maybe a month ago we caught a, a blackfin, probably by 25 pound blackfin, literally on the bottom fishing for tiles then hit peeled wow. offline we're like oh this is a monster tile and then it kept peeling offline like this is not a tile <laughs> you know and it comes up and it's got all these you know it had a hatchet fish it had all these little black fish in, in its belly yeah and this thing's been down there like sword ground deep on the bottom
2: if you think about it though yeah i, mean, I never really thought about that way and this is as someone who paints fish for a living yeah right the tuna eye is very different than most fish, and it's almost more like sorty, right? Kind of the way the eye is structured. Yeah. I mean, it's not
0: like as ball-y as that, mm-hmm. but and, you know what I mean.
2: But it's but it's got that wide pupil, yep, like,
0: all the way up and down the water column, yeah, all but day it's, long. But it
2: can't be like it's, but it comes up and up and down too. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be versatile. It could be why that eye is shaped the way it is. Might be very yeah. interesting right wow so we're breaking um, new ground on the bro <laughs> science book here today. right
0: so going back to the, the tackle here that i have i mentioned that i had 20 pound power pro on here mm-hmm. so a lot of people when you tell them that you're fishing 20 pound line and you're fishing for a large grouper they're like what is going on in right. your head? you're not you know what i say to that is there's a couple things first of all you need to know where your line is going to fail right mm-hmm. in terms of a straight pull it's a twenty-pound braid. So you have twenty so a twenty pound braid is yeah. just what it's listed at. That's the minimum that it's gonna break at. Right. Most of the time, including this like twenty pound power pro here, is gonna break at like you know, we've tested extensively, usually between thirty-nine and forty-two pounds in a straight pull. Right. Right. Well, people are like, Well, I want abrasion resistance. Uh-huh. Okay, well that's I, I get that. But how does braid break? It, it breaks because you know there's a little nick in it or it hits something and there's a yeah. nick in it under tension and it just pops like that. If your braid is already in the structure, you've lost the fight, mm-hmm. all right? That's what I always tell people. You know, that's why you have a 10, you know, I shorten this one up, but usually you have a 10, 15 foot leader on here that gives you a little bit of wiggle room for your abrasion resistance. And that's what, really what I have floral on On there. the floral, yeah. you know, so that's, and then you're using a 50 pound line on that, which is decent enough, but also with, with the jigging is that you, you ever go stronger than 50. Yeah. Sometimes I will, I'll go 60 sometimes mm-hmm. if I'm fishing, like particularly in the Gulf if I know I'm going to be in an area where there's a lot of gag grouper. The monsters. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll bump it up to 60. When I was in Panama, when you know we were like cubera fishing, mm-hmm. I, I actually went up to 80. Wow. So it was, yeah. So and usually people don't fish 80 on the there. teeth ever give you issues? The, te- the teeth, you know what? They were more to the front. They're so, more to the front than you yeah. know, with those big dog fangs that they have on them. Yeah. But if you're looking at a toothy thing like a barracuda or a king or a wahoo, that thing's like a scissor. It's going to yeah, cut through anything right. irrespective of what you put down there. Right. So the way I look at it is if you're know, on, on a King or a Wahoo, if I, if my hook happens to land in the right spot, cool, let's, sure. let's rock yeah, and roll right. with it. Right. But if it doesn't, that's the cost of doing business. Uh-huh. You know, I'm fishing for the bite first, everything else secondary. So once I hook up with a fish, I'll do everything I can to get that fish to the boat. But sometimes mm, you're not going to be able to, right. You know, that's just how it goes. Um, but, but, with a line in that straight pull, this reel here is going to put out about 23, 24 pounds of drag on its best day, right? And if this line breaks at 39 to 42 pounds in a straight pull, I can have this thing locked. And a lot of people don't realize how, how, how hard 23 pounds of drag is mm-hmm. to hold. I mean, that's a lot of drag that's on there. You can really fish that lighter line and be able to land these larger fish at higher drag settings than you would think, usually and also you really don't have to play necessarily with that game of the you know setting your drag to a quarter of your breaking strength of your line you know if you had 20 pound line you'd set it to five pounds of drag or something like that you really have to because you got this really parabolic rod that's going to absorb a lot of the shock and you've got your leader on there that'll also absorb some of the shock so you don't necessarily have to worry about that popping off right
2: you know with your with your brain it's not as if you're really just once you get it to the side of the boat, just pulling it up. No, yeah, you're not. In. Yeah, you're, gonna you're gaff not. It up exactly. Or yeah, right.
0: yeah. Net it up, gaff it, and sometimes you can you know flip a smaller fish, but I wouldn't recommend it too too much unless yeah. you really know what you're doing.
2: Not like those guys that video. You see those guys, oh, I like that. That's,
0: <laughs> man, What's I, that all about? You know, there's some things you can do for YouTube views. Yeah. You know, and and so how like how strong your product is, and there's other like you know just being reasonable about it. Um, but you know, one of the reasons why you're using this diameter braid is because one of the central things for slow pitch is you want to stay as vertical as possible in the water. Mm-hmm. So you want to have as least water influence on your line as possible. So the smaller diameter, right, the better you're going to be able to stay up and down, right? So the deeper I go, generally speaking, the thinner diameter I'll fish. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in, you know, 200 feet of water, 300 feet of water, I'll maybe I'll use a 30 pound braid to a 50 or 60 pound liter. Whereas if I'm in six, seven, eight hundred feet of water, I'll bump it down to a 20 pound or a 15 pound braid. Because that that water influence that's on there, I mean, think of it. If you know if if this was the regular line and you actually wove it into like a a, a square, right? Right. That if you put that in the water, how much that current would affect that square of line? It's the same exact like thing. Surface it's area. just yeah exactly. Yeah. It's the same exact surface area just in a straight line. So you're gonna get all that water influence on it for 900 feet of water. Yeah. And that's a lot, so it's kind of like a sail that's down there and sure. it's actually being affected. So if you want to drop down and you want to be as straight up and down as possible, you want to have the thinnest, strongest line that you can possibly have. So that's why I'll drop down to that 20 pound. Is that the reason for the narrower spool too? The narrow spool is actually just for line lay, right? Okay. So it, it, it does a couple of things. So if you can see kind of where my thumb, my thumb kind of fits directly here on the spool. Yep. So most of the time I'll, I'll either control the spool with my index finger underneath here or my thumb up here. On these Oshas, it's kind of cool because you can. It's really all one-hand operation. If you have to worry about too much. Of yeah, the back and I forth. don't. I don't have to worry about the line leg going back and right. forth too too much, especially when I'm jigging because sometimes it'll bunch up on the sides. Mm-hmm. You know, but th- with the the narrow spool, it kind of reduces that. And then with a, a, a you know a reel like this, it's got the auto engage, so I can just click it and I'm in. And I'm a completely a one-hand operation right here, whereas a lot of other reels that are on the market right now. They don't have that auto engage feature on them, so it's kind of a two hand. You're always, you know, you're dropping and then sometimes the jiggle stop halfway down, and it's, you know, yeah, let me let me yeah. fumble around with it. Whereas this, I'm I have two hands on it at all times. I You know, boom bang. on I'm, nice. I'm, I'm in and I'm playing, and especially when I'm down on the bottom, you know, I'm, I'm checking bottom all the time, all the time. So down, up, down, up, all the time. So that's a that's a really beneficial feature of this. But the thin, but the thinner spool on them. Um, really does help with that line life. So this one here, this has got about 600 yards of 20 pounds on mm-hmm. it. You know, if I bump it up to 30, I can get 500 yards on it. And then if I go into real deep water, let me grab this guy. Here. Yeah, got take go over here. here? This is kind of my heavy setup. Okay. So this is what I'll use in, um, you know, where I was out in like 900 feet of water yesterday. I was using this is an OSHA 4000. So that I said this one holds 600 yards of 20. This one holds 1350 of 20 pounds. Wow! So you, it, I mean, wherever as you want to go, wherever you want to fish, yeah, right. You know, um, but this this rod here, whereas this one is rated up to about 330 grams. Mm-hmm. So you see the the that's actually a good point. Let me bring that up. So you're looking at these, virtually identical looking, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if you have a rod, you know, in traditional fishing, you're looking at you know heavy you know you're looking at a heavy rod versus a light rod usually they'll have different diameters um you know one will be obviously heavier heavier than the other with slow pitch jigging you're really just using the rod as a tool to impart an action on the jig yeah you're not fighting the fish with the rod necessarily i mean sure you are putting a certain amount of heat on it but really you're using this just to move the jig so this you're matching your rod to the jig weight that you're going to be using so this one's rated up to 500 grams whereas this one's rated up to 330 grams. So if I'm fishing lighter jigs, I'll go with this one. If fishing heavier jigs, I'll go with this one. Now, one step further than that, and this is kind of more into the advanced techniques, is let's say I'm fishing and I notice that the fish are keyed into certain movements, right? They're, they're keyed into something that's maybe faster sliding action, okay. right? I know that this rod is gonna produce a very slow, deliberate action, very slow fall of the jig in, within its weight range, right? But if I take a rod that's rated for heavier jigs, right? So if I use this, let's say this one's 210 grams. If I use this on this rod, it'll be a very slow, easy action. If I put it onto this one, because it's a stiffer rod in terms of recoil, it's gonna be what we call punchier. Yeah. So it's gonna actually spring out a lot more because this is gonna have more recoil. So I'm purposely underloading the rod. And I'm gonna get a different action out of the jig. And I can do it in reverse too. So this one's rated to 330 grams. Well, what what happens if I put a 340 gram or 350 gram jig or a 400 gram jig on there, I'm gonna slow it down even more. So now I can manipulate my jigs based on the action that I want and the type of jig that I want and really dial into what those fish are keyed into. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks are, you know, I get the question, you know, what do you think makes a good jig fisherman? Um, personally, I think that knowing how your jigs fall in the water, every single one of them in your bag or even five select jigs in your bag that's gonna be the difference. That's gonna be the key difference between someone who's gonna be very successful on the water and someone who's gonna have an okay day on the water is really knowing, all right, I know what these are gonna do and I know how I can manipulate that to get the fish to do what I want them to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're, Listen, shaking, you're shaking your head. <laughs> no, no, well
0: <laughs> I'm shaking my
2: head because A Yeah. Right. We always say this is a fishing show that's not about fishing, right? right? But every now and then you got to bring someone on, to, to to break it down and 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 this is this has been incredibly, I mean, not only educational but I mean, astonishing to me and and just amazing because, you know, first of all, thank you for sharing as much information on all this oh, as, yeah. as you are to to not only but me and us and and but our entire audience that that's going to be watching this, um, but I just, I always am just amazed by you know you know finding out new things but you know you, even just you know, just taking it you know as deep as you take it mm-hmm. I, I always go the back of my head going like like just to fish know that it's you <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like you got them figured out you know, you know um it one well, let's there's two things i want to say the first thing is is a lot of times in fishing, and I think I've seen this kind of across the board in fishing, is that it's very secretive in terms of folks don't want to share information. Right. Because they want to have some type of leg up, you know, like tournament fishing, you know, where are the fish at? You know, what techniques are you using? Are you using kites? Whatever. Um, with this type of fishing, I, I don't I, personally, I hate the, the idea of secrecy or um, not telling people really how, what's going to work. And I think. A lot of folks that I've talked to, because you know I try to answer as many questions and be as objective as I can with folks along the way is is just to get the right information out there to them. Because there's, I realize there's people aren't going to be as obsessed with this as I am. They're just not going to be. I, I have a special level of OCD with this
2: where it's true in a lot of ways, you and know, you know, also you're a professional fisherman, right? You know, yeah. Most of the most of the people that are listening to this are not, yeah. right? are just going to be guys that want to go out and try it, right? So what's what could be the harm?
0: Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. There's 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 that part of it, and and I want to. I've always wanted since the beginning is just progress it just you know one of my buddies actually told me recently you know kind of the difference in where I am with what's the fishing is that I just never stopped you yeah. know I never stopped I was always out there fishing I was always answering the questions I was always doing those things and you know the fruits of that labor kind of paid off indirectly I wasn't looking for it you know but it's I've gotten to the, to the point now very fortunately and, and I'm very thankful for being able to be that person and that resource for folks that are yeah. out there and to give them that information, maybe give it to them in a, in a way that they've never really thought about it before, because I do really think about this and, and the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours on the water that I've spent doing it have really helped me hone this particular craft. So, um, I feel fortunate, you know, you should. To, to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, you should. You know? And you listen,
2: you know, you're the perfect person to bring on this show because we always say we like bringing on, um... Our guests are people that make a living yeah. following their passion, yeah. right? And, and doing, doing whether it be fishing or surfing. Most of the guys we work on <laughs> are fishermen, yeah, right? Um, but whether it just be making a life or making a living of being connected by water, right? And that's really the whole thing. So I always am enthralled bringing on guys that have just, are just following their heart. You know, we yeah. chose a lifestyle, yeah, right? We not chose to be millionaires. You know? <laughs> not to say that there haven't been millionaires across the table from me, but it's just like you know, you know, even with, with what I do, like we're just following passion, following heart, doing it because you love it. And that's what keeps you going every day. I mean, that's what brings me in on Memorial Day. I didn't yeah. work today, but I, I come in to talk to you because I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to talk to you. And I'm like, I want to get into it with you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it really comes down to um, we're all connected by water and living a life that's connected by water. And, and what does that mean to you? Right, you know, and I wanted to kind of ask you that, maybe get a little bit underneath it, too. like what drives you? You talk about the OCD, yeah, right? and you talk about you, you know, you just don't stop, and it's like, why is that?
0: Um, why is that? Might be a tough question to answer. It might be
2: might might cause for some self reflection there. It, maybe it a little is. bit more rum. Yeah,
0: right. Um, let's see. There's a, there's a couple of reasons I think. Uh, it was I've I've done a little bit of that kind of reflection before, so you know getting into the uh, personal stuff for me and might as well right so when i was a kid my mom and dad got divorced when i was real young about two to only saw my father twice in my life saw him when i was eight saw him when i was 21 um and that was it no never never anywhere around um my stepdad you know he came along and he was always treating me as his own he i had you know so many opportunities as a result of him and it was fantastic you know the weird thing though please is that any person that I ever met? Because I have the same name as my my father. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, "Oh, Benny Ortiz, your father was Benny Ortiz, right?" Yeah. Every single person that I've met said that your father was the best fisherman that I'd ever seen. He would got he guided in Alaska. He was you know a big freshwater guy. Fished a lot of trout and brook really? and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's like some weird epigenetic thing where I like kind of just went through the genes and, and I got into the fishing bug or if it's some crazy deep-seated thing. But I just, I don't know, I have this connection to it that I can't really explain with anything else in terms of just being on the water where it's, you're disconnected from everything. It's very meditative for me. I can just dive into something that was alien and figure it out. Primal and yeah, and and just be that you know essentially that apex predator out there and and try to be the best that I the best version of me that I could possibly be out there. And the only thing holding me back from doing that would be me. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of went down that rabbit hole. I think that was really it. you know there was there was other guys that you know when we started jigging here in the US there was a group of probably five or six of us that really got into it early on, and you know everybody kind of went their own ways. Some of them are still doing it, and I kind of went this way with it. Um but for whatever reason, it just always drew me in. You know, it just always drew me in because I grew up in New York. I grew up in you know brooks and streams and ponds and mm-hmm. grass in New and trout I mean Catskills. Okay, so I grew up in a little town called Wartsboro. It has one traffic light that we probably don't even need. <laughs> and right. um, you know, I' never really fished. was uh, finest behind us, huh. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> got a little
2: Who's hump. that?: We could so they can cut this out. Let's All right. It. What's that? purple van
0: purple oh, van purple van got it settled so up in the catskills oh, no, uh, yeah i grew up in the catskills uh, so right where i i grew up is this place called roscoe um where there's a, a really huge fly fishing uh area you know a lot of folks go out there and fly okay. fish um where i grew up did you was, grow up fly fishing no no, I don't. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I can't. Like, I'm I got too deep love in this. Bed. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> I was got, gonna say. I, I don't enough, know if you can fit anything en- else in here. I got here. enough going on in my life. My wife will kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it, getting down here. I, I moved down to Florida about 15 years ago, and that's really when I got into the saltwater. Okay. Uh, and just kind of went off the deep end with it. Yeah. I started. Um, you know, just as a way of getting away from my day job. You know, I didn't have any email on the boat. I didn't have anybody calling me on the boat. Right. And, you know, I, I was doing a lot of headboat fishing and kind of got that figured out and then um, just branched out from there and met, met a couple of the right people along the way. So it's a little nice. bit of skill, a little bit of luck, just like anything. And, uh, yeah. That's right interesting to, to get
2: beneath that a little bit with right? you. And just, you know, I mean... I, I always, like, this is the first time we're ever speaking. Yeah. Right? And so, and I think it's important to mention that for, for context in this show. And I love meeting people for the first time on the show because you can really get, like, good, those, when you have, like, a good first talk with something, like, sometimes that's, like, nothing's better, you know? Yeah. And it's so cool. But I always find, I find it really interesting when you say, like, you saw him at 8, and you saw him at 21, but then to find out that he was really a great fisherman. Yeah. That's that's really extremely interesting to me yeah um but like how does that affect you like when you saw him again when you're older
0: yeah so did you guys talk about that yeah uh, here's the (laughs) no um here's the here's the messed up part so the the time that i saw him when i was 21 was at his mother's funeral
2: oh man yeah
0: and i was i was there and the the strange part is you know i stayed really close with his brothers he had right. three brothers and in particular my uncle mark who he actually he married me he's you know probably one of my best friends in okay. the entire world i i love them to death and you know i was i was standing there it was me my mom and uh and my uncle mark we were standing there and he just walked right past me didn't really? didn't even say hello really yeah it was it was pretty
2: not That's when you start like you open up like your Instagram account. Like, yeah. Look at this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Um, I guess so, but it was it was more of no. Um, was, no I, messing, I'm with you. Know, I got you. I'm, I, and it does it does no no bother to me. It you know it's it's like one of those things where you know when you if you've ever read an obituary of a stranger in yeah. in like a, a newspaper and it doesn't affect you at all gotcha it's like that okay right you know it's like, it's like just a good it's perspective a, to have yeah it. it's just I, you know I, yeah, he's a good. stranger you know he's yeah. a dna donor gotcha. and I, I have whatever whatever um you know in in my appearance and and in whatever's inside is, right. is from there but there was no real external influence in it which is strange and then to have this one random thing yeah. of all the things I've done in my life that happens to be exactly what he did, and at a level that he was at or yeah. or beyond. And I don't know. I real I you know I don't know if that's some weird like in my brain therapy type I don't situation. know, I don't know man. But-, <laughs> but whatever. It's 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 just that's how it manifested, and and it and it came out here once I got to Florida uh, in particular. As I said I got here about fifteen years ago. And just really just felt this connection to being on the ocean and yeah. being, you know, figuring this out, being able to be the best version of a fisherman that I could possibly be. Yeah. You know, turned out okay, I think. <laughs> that's great, man. Now, now, that's that's really, that makes
2: you you, man. That, that's yeah. really interesting to find all that out. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up, too, the guy who originally turned me on to you uh, was Mike Lipsky oh nice. right over, yeah. over at real deal, real deal. tackle yeah. and and i know that um he was one of the first shops to really be on the forefront yeah uh, and i want to give him a shout out and be on the forefront of the slow pitch jig mm-hmm. phenomenon if you will
0: yeah absolutely so w- mike you know he started his shop real deal uh a couple years ago let's say four years ago i think mm-hmm. it was about and he had a little tiny shop off commercial the commercial shop yeah, yeah. you know he started out and he, he barely had any stock and he just hustled you know and um, he was He was a super nice guy he, everything you know about what he was doing. I thought he was doing the right way, and you know he he, he I, I went in there, we talked a little bit, he asked me some questions about jigs, so you know he had this whole catalog of jigs that he had access to and he' was like, what yeah. should I get you know and I kind of went down the, the list I was like this is what you need this is this is this, this, this and he went and he he managed to do it and he took that chance because he saw that this was kind of the a budding industry you know right. a niche market and of course I would say most probably seventy eighty percent of his business still is the the bait fisherman, the tournament fisherman, mm-hmm. that Old kind Pompana. of stuff, yeah, that's Pompano, yeah, but he has the best jig selection outside of my house, I would say. <laughs> anywhere in the united states yeah you know he took it to a level where he's got you know he opened up the new shop which is just it's a beautiful shop he's got that whole room in the back that jig room in the back where you know you turn off the lights and the uv glows yep. and everything's glowing in there and it looks like a disco it and it's really cool um and, and it's 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 awesome what he's done in terms of being able to be that place here domestically yeah that what we were looking for in japan when we first started this you know because what we were doing is you would, we would Look online. There was a shop in Japan called Amberjack. Um, you know, we would buy things online or from there, from other shops. Uh, sometimes through folks that were actually in Japan that spoke English that right. would act as kind of like a third party go between between these shops. And the problem was you could never get your hands on the stuff, so you never knew what was actually going to come in the mail. So you you didn't know. And also, by the way, the shipping is calculated by weight so you're sending sending lead across the pacific is the literally the most expensive thing that you could ship so um you know it was like i said in the beginning this was a very expensive game of trial and error and by having a shop like mike's here in pompano i can go down the street and go Mm -hmm. all right this is this is you know here's some stuff or send somebody over there and know that he has the stock of stuff there where people can actually go there and make an informed decision And he's not trying to sell you on one thing or another He's just trying to get you the right information just kind of like what i'm trying to do you know get you the right information so you can make the best choice for yourself yeah when you go out there i thought it was interesting to bring him up because from what i saw
2: all this stuff unfolding in front of us and we always say um we we'd like to think we bring on the best of the best in, in the topics that we discuss in, uh, on the show and certainly um it, but you know what i saw was i don't think slow pitch jigging would really be as Big here, or such a
0: thing here, if it wasn't for the two of you guys, hundred percent. I think, I I think, yeah, I think that we both have definitely had an an influence in it. I think there's some other folks as as well that that probably. I'm sure there's others. There's others, but but I think in terms of accessibility, right here in the United States, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Um, and
2: I I want to mention that on the show, not even just to like say thanks or float your boat or anything like that, but just to make it clear to the audience listening. Like that's who we're talking to today. All right, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, and, and that that that, that yeah. really is important. Um, another thing, you recently posted up about. Uh, obviously, you're catching lots of fish, yeah. right? And you, I hope you're prepared to talk about this part too with the way you prep a fish before yeah. it goes in the cooler, because I I really wanted to yeah. make sure we found time to talk about that um today. All right. So, and I, and I know we're kind of, you know. <laughs> Going through a lot of information and a lot of stuff, I think a lot of people that are watching the show are probably watching it with a notepad and a pen. <laughs> I right? hope so. Because there's there's a lot of information for them to kind of remember and take down. Remember, you're going to have to stop and pause or rewind a lot of the things that you said. But here's another thing that we want to bring up. Right? Yeah. so go- You're also an expert on prepping a fish before it goes in the cooler on the boat right so Any reasons why in your techniques if you w-
0: yeah. wouldn't mind all right so first let's talk about the technique and then or talk about a little bit of the, the background of it and then we'll um we'll kind of explain just get a, little black a couple, with you got a couple of tools <laughs> no i got a couple of tools here that i'll show you um in terms of what we use and how we do it so again going back to the idea of the japanese overthinking things mm-hmm. um this the process that, that of of how I process fish at the end is called ikajime. So ikajima, ikajime. So it's spelled I K E space J I M E ikajime. Okay. So there's ikajime and then shinkajime and then but they're two separate things. But for the overall, let's just call it ikajime just for general purposes. So the reason why this is important is because let's take a step back. So in Japan, they figured out essentially how to transport fish, how to process fish at, at landing them, mm-hmm. to process it, to, to processing the fish for transportation so that a chef in northern Japan is very familiar with fish that are landed in southern Japan and all over the place. They don't necessarily care, you know, what it is that's the biggest. They just want to know that it's the best and the best quality that's coming out. But one of the things here in the United States that's a problem is that We have one of the most diverse fisheries in the world, right? in terms of from freshwater to saltwater, from the Pacific all the way down here to the Gulf to to New England. Why does our seafood product suck when it comes to market? And the reason why is how those fish are processed, generally speaking. And the reason why that is is because of the pressures that are on the commercial fishery. So you have a situation in the commercial fishery where they're being bombarded by, you know, honestly, a lot of Asian imports, mm-hmm. right, from farmed fish, either there or sometimes there's some farmed fish. Like a big push right now is farmed cobia from Costa Rica, right. things like that. And obviously the foreign mahi. Right. right. Yeah. The foreign mahi, you know, a lot of, you know, from Brazil or mm-hmm. from wherever that are coming in here. Um, and that forces pressure on the commercial fishermen here. It forces their prices down. So in order to, to make the amount of living that they were making before, they have to catch more fish. Right. But what if the difference was to those commercial fishermen and say, I can get you three to four or five times or even more per pound for the fish that you're catching? So you can catch less fish and make the same amount of money if you process them a certain way. And then it opens up the possibilities of better shipping those fish so that a chef in New York knows what a mutton snapper is mm-hmm. or a ling cod from, from California. And you can get those there and get the best version of those possible. And that all starts with how it's processed on the deck. So from landing a fish, the traditional way that people do it, they land the fish, somebody gaffs it, they throw it in the box, they hear it slapping around on the ice for a while and then they keep fishing, right? Mm-hmm. Because they want to be on the meat and they want to you know, keep killing everything that's out there. And, you know, I get it. If you're able to process the fish and take a couple of minutes after you land that fish to process it in a better way, it's going to yield an immensely better product. And that process is through Ikejime. So what happens is once I land a fish, I generally speaking, I have this uh, this here, which is a spike, right? It kind of looks like an ice pick. Okay, yeah. It's kind All right, of, so yep. you can take a look at Actually, it. So that's
2: about what, six inches there? Yeah, about inches? six
0: inches total. Yep. I'd say that with a handle, so the mm-hmm. actual metal part, let's say about three or four inches okay. on there. And what you do with that upon landing the fish is you quickly brain spike the fish. So what that does is, you know, what you'll do is you'll feel along the, in between the eyes of the fish, sometimes there's like a little soft spot or a flat ridge in there, and usually that's where you're going to insert this in there. Um, It's not, I mean, I'll be... Just brutally honest with it. It's it's graphic. It's uh, it's you're I mean, you, yeah. Nice you're 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 spiking a fish in its brain, mm-hmm. and when you spike we have no problem yeah, with that yeah, on this. Show all right, great. Yeah, so we're good. All right, so what you're doing? You're you're essentially putting the spike into the fish's brain so that it instantly has brain death, mm-hmm. right? And what you're going to notice when you put that into the into the the you know cranial cavity is the dorsal fin will flex, mm-hmm. and that's how you know you've actually hit the right spot. Okay. Okay. So that you know the fish is dead. So that what that does is it doesn't suffocate the fish you know there's no more there's the fish doesn't have to suffocate in a box in the dark and ice it's just it's dead that's it right brain death the next thing that you're going to do is you're going to does take the oxygenation deplete the meat We'll we'll get there in a second okay. so so all right so the next thing you do you take your knife I have a, a knife here actually this was I should have washed it, it was probably it was used a lot yesterday. Um, what I'll do with this is I will cut, th- and I, I like to use a knife that has actually a pretty good backbone on it. Okay. You know, you don't want to have a real flimsy knife. I'll use this to cut through the gill rakes on the fish. Okay. And what that'll do is it'll sever the artery that- When you cut through them, mm-hmm. how are you cutting through them? There's two ways that you can do it. There's The one way is actually, if so if the gill rake is on a crescent like this, mm-hmm. you can cut horizontally okay. through them all, and that'll sever the artery that's in there or you can cut that membrane that's right behind it that kind of leads in you can Mm -hmm. cut that and that'll also bleed out the fish okay so what you do is you have a bucket of ambient temperature water so what i mean by ambient is basically just a bucket of seawater that the fish were living in you cut that gill rake on there and the artery bleeds now you've already spiked the fish in the brain so it's dead right but the cells don't know it's dead yet Mm -hmm. the brain is dead so you take that fish you have the art the the arteries and and the gills that are cut you put it into that that water and the reason why that water is important is because it stops the coagulation of the blood. So it actually all comes out at that point. So it's head down in the bucket, bleeds out in there. Once that's done, then the third step of the process happens. And that's, I, you can do it one of two ways. You can either go through the hole that you've made in the head from the spike mm-hmm. into the, the spinal cord itself. And you use something like this. There's, um, this is called a circuit breaker from, um, that's just the name that they gave it with okay. AFCO. Um, this is one of the versions. So ASCO makes this? They make this. Specifically? Yeah. Okay. And this is through the Ikejime Federation, um, which is an organization that's headed up by Andrew Choi. Okay, so that's got a, that's got a barbed tip. Yeah, it's got a little a barbed tip, tip on yeah. it. Okay. Um, and so there's two ways to do it. You can either run this cord f- into the, the hole of the head and mm-hmm. into the spinal column, and it, it'll run down the cord. Okay. Or what I like to do personally is um, you make a small cut at the tail and break there. And go through the cord that way I find that that's usually so you're running this where so if you if you, do you, it that if, you way. if you cut a, a fish's tail let's say right so you're mm-hmm. looking at the vertebrae here and in here is right. kind of like that jelly the way that the fish will have on top there'll be a very small hole and on the bottom there'll be a very small hole the, right the hole in the bottom is the artery that's the bloodline okay so you don't want to stay away from that on top though that's the spinal cord so the entire spinal cord will run the, the length of the fish okay? Right? And you use that wire to go up and down that spinal cord, and that kills all of the nerves in there. Wow. So what that's going to do is that's going to prevent rigor mortis from setting in immediately. So you're going to have a fish that's pre rigor that's not going to necessarily get, um, you know, super stiff right away. Um, but after it comes because because it's, it's going to go into rigor eventually, mm-hmm. you know, but it's going to come out of that rigor, and you're going to be able to have a fish that two or three days after you catch it is floppy okay right so you never it's it's actually kind of bizarre if you've always handled fish in the traditional right, like, way they're kind yeah, of you know yeah. they're stuck Bent in the, tail, you know, that bed. Yeah. yeah exactly so what this does is it, it severs all those 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 nerves that are in there so the fish now the cells don't even know they're dead right so that whole process of decomposition doesn't mm-hmm. start on the boat the minute you kill it and you know it's it it stops you from having All of that lactic acid building up in the fish. That's something that people don't think about. You know, this fish, after coming up, basically it's like the adrenaline. You know, it's like a a human running a hundred yard, you know, sprint and then dunking his head in a bucket of water. Mm All right. You know, it's the same concept. Whereas the fish comes up, it's got all this lactic acid. It just fought, literally fought for its life. And it has all of those negatives that are in the meat. Whereas when it comes up now, it's, it still has the, the stress of that but it doesn't have the added stress of being in the box, having that, that lactic acid build up, having the time of suffocation that's in there and, it, and the result is you have a significantly better quality of meat that now it can ship, mm-hmm. now, you can, you know, now it opens up different possibilities like dry aging fish. Right. which you know a lot of people
2: sushi grade i'm sure
0: is immensely well, a great better so, that way too right so you know one this,
2: of the, you, this like part of the goal of this is just so it doesn't really taste quote unquote fishy right Right.
0: and one so one of the things that happens with the there's two things that you said that were important the one thing the first thing was the sushi grade right mm-hmm. and that's really essentially a marketing term that people say all fish are sushi grade if they're handled properly okay Now, the thing that makes a fish taste fishy is the blood, is the bacteria that's in the blood, because all fish produce a certain bacteria, and that's what gives that quote fishy taste or odor. Mm -hmm. By removing the blood that's in the fish, most of that bacteria is gone, so you don't necessarily have that fishy taste anymore, or even that fishy smell. But by by processing the fish this way, it opens up to the other possibilities like dry aging. So Mm -hmm. people always talk about, oh, we have fresh fish, we have fresh this. there's people now that are dry aging tuna for thirty days, forty days, right? They're dry I have a buddy right now who's dry aging an amberjack in this fridge. It's been in there for three weeks. Wow. You know, and people think in their head, they're like, this fish is probably toxic, right? But it right. comes out and it's beautiful. And the, the meat has actually has a different texture to it and has a different savory quality to it. And everything about the meal itself and going back to the idea of conservation is I can take one fish, and I can do all these different things with it by by parsing it out and actually going through fish butchery rather than just simply filleting a fish and discarding a carcass. Yeah. Where now I can I can take a fillet, I can take the collars, I can take the cheeks, I can take the head, split the head, use the the meat from the head. I, I can, saw you're cooking grouper skin. Yeah. I've 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 done that where I'll I'll actually take a grouper I'll scale it mm-hmm. you know I have a special scaler so I don't like bruise up the meat really on it and I'll, I'll scale it off and I will take like I like actually scamp snowy yellow edge do yeah. it this way Just take them into strips a little bit of batter on them you know the little, little you know potato starch put a little bit of panko on them fry them up and they're like delicious fish it's like it's wow. like like uh if you ever had like chicharrones like it's like that but fish version of it because, so let me, let me ask you this let me ask yeah. you so
2: like does this help for kingfish or is there like no hope for that fish
0: no it helps for everything yeah every every single <laughs> fish no There's a little inside joke look, here yeah no no and i look <laughs> i get you guys so all right so check it out so he loves catching kingfish mm-hmm. he does he does don't like eating them. <laughs> uh, it happens to the best of us you know yeah, he it. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times that'll happen is that folks will prepare fish in the traditional way like kingfish amberjack they'll smoke them mm-hmm. right but they don't realize that it, this this type of method of, of actually you know ikojime or closing the fish as they say results in a product that is unlike anything you've ever had before right you know so let's say you do get that kingfish and you brain spike it and you bleed it out and then you, you put that wire through so it, it severs all the nerves and now you have this fish where you know now i can age this fish for 10 days in my fridge you know I keep it very dry mm-hmm. I you know I've I, you know you, you one of the other things that's very important is that you gut got the fish and you take the gills out you know as, as near immediately as possible um, because that's a lot where the bacteria will fester in yeah. fish you know put some of the paper towels in there and change those paper towels daily or flip it in there um, and the result like I said before is it, just you have this product that it's like oh my god what was I doing yeah. You know, and so last uh, last week I was fishing with Andrew Choi. Um his name is actually spelled T S U I, but it's spelled Choi. Um and he was showing me that it's not there's no trash fish, there's only trash technique. Ooh. You know, and for as a for instance, we caught a grunt, right? He was happened right. to catch a grunt. And he's like, keep it. Keep the grunt. Uh, it was because I was about to throw it back, so keep it. And we processed it exactly the same way. We gave it the brain spike. We bled it out. We put the wire down there. And I will kid you not. I had a yellowtail, a mutton, and a grunt all prepared the same way. Every single person said the grunt was the best one. Really? Yeah. It it was over the mutton. Over the mutton. Really. All day long. All day long. It was you know, and we we did it in a very traditional Chinese way. We um. We actually steamed each one of them with uh we steamed them with some green onions and and ginger mm-hmm. and then poured some uh, some oil on them with some cilantro at the end to kind of finish them off and my God, it was just unbelievable and i w- i w- my mind was blown because you know i w- i had, I' had been doing the process for a while, but he's truly a master at this as well as the whole aspect of fish butchery which mm-hmm. which is a concept that that we don't really get here. And I think one of the products, one of the reasons- and we'd like
2: to influence it. Yeah.
0: You know, and that was one of
2: the things that I know you and I had in the past, we had discussed uh-huh. like, oh, we got to do an episode. We got to do a show. You know what I mean? And when you posted up about that, yeah, I was like, all right, that's it. I got to get you in here because this is one of the things that I really want to promote. And Actually, I almost wanted to lead off with it today, yeah. right? but we just started, it's an organic show. So we just right. started talking about like the fishing and stuff like that. But like, I was highly interested in this because- Things like this matter. It's influence, right? right? And it, it, it's just almost just like this knowledge that people need to have. Yeah. I think,
0: I think it's a huge thing, and, and especially on the conservation aspect, is you don't have to catch three or four grouper to, to process a fish in a way where that one grouper that you caught now is going to last you for so much longer. Mm-hmm. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to aid in the conservation. It's going to aid in protecting the species that, that we are always targeting, that we want to have there for people. But it's also going to create a much better product for us. You know, we're also going to have so a better food product. So it's, it's a win-win all around. And it's, it's being more conscientious about about the animal that you have just taken its life. Right. Right. You know, I think there's, you know, as anglers, as, as stewards of the environment, I think it's extraordinarily important that people understand that it's not just a murder fest out there. Like, that's not what we're doing. I'm not trying to stack bodies for pictures, but it's about making sure that you, You've done your job as best as possible to respect the animal that you just killed. That you are processing in the best way that you can, and and leads to the best possible result for you and your family or whoever else you're sharing it with. They get an absolutely amazing meal. That their mind's blown. I just pres- I just gave you a grunt, mm-hmm. and you're just like, mm-hmm. you know, your head explodes. Like I can't I can't believe that this just happened. This is way better than this mutton snapper. And, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool, you know? So, so something like that, where, you know, going back to what I was saying originally is if we can get this out there to folks to, especially the commercial fishermen to sell them, like, look, man, there's other options out there. There's other things that are more viable to you that will make you a better living that you will, you know, you'll be able to provide for your family better. And we have restaurants and not just some bullshit restaurants, but we're talking Michelin starred restaurants that are gonna come after you for these particular species of fish because that's what they're gonna tailor their menus to. I think it's a absolute knock knock it out of the park win.
2: I you well, know? I agree with you wholeheartedly. The, yeah. the second I wrote or I read uh-huh. what you posted up, that's the, the, the first thing I thought of. Yeah. I was like, that's
0: money, dude. I right. mean not like money like money, no, but no, that's no. like solid stuff right there. Absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. And 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 you know, tying this back into the slow pitch is just it's just taking that one more step to just stop and think about what you're doing. Right. You know, just to have that appreciation for it. Take it one step deeper. And, you know, anytime I talk to somebody that's really passionate about what they do and just learning about what they do, like I could probably talk to you about painting and I don't know anything about painting, but you could probably tell me a whole lot and you can tell me why I chose this hue. 100%. why You know, exactly, yep. right? All that stuff. And it's so fascinating to me to hear people that have that passion about it and to be able to share that and then just have that thing go off in your head oh that makes sense this now, that's
2: why i love yeah. doing other people's podcasts sometimes mm-hmm. right? because then they could that allows me the time to open up about that kind of stuff because when i'm bringing people on and we're talking about the stuff that they do the stuff that they're into and occasionally we'll touch on some of this stuff and some of the guests will ask me hey you know they'll the counter questions for me and stuff like that it's yeah. cool Right, but in in a long format, when like I'm being interviewed, I like it because it's cathartic. It allows yeah, me to, like open up about some of those things and you know. But it's cool, mm-hmm. man, Benny. I could sit here and talk to you forever. Unfortunately, <laughs> today we are out of time. But all right, dude, I want to have you back on the show. I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, That'd you're right down the street too, I'm, so, I'm so it's down a no-brainer, the street, man. Yeah, for so Still? and because there's actually topics I want to get even deeper into with you, and if with your permission, I want to go ahead and open up the whole. Um, the the um fish closing yeah so the proper uh, Ikejime. Ikejime. The, the Ikejime, i, I want to open that up as an ongoing topic on the show for sure um i'll point them in your direction for any questions or anything like that but i'm going to keep bringing it up because i want to promote this because mm-hmm. i think it's really important Um uh, the quality and the value and the pride and the hunt and all that you know yeah. I mean? it's, it's, it's it's really important um you know from a i don't know if you want to call it an ethical standpoint
0: but just it's just just from a intrinsic standpoint right if, I, if you will yeah it's, it's both it's it's not just the ethical standpoint of like i said of, of taking care of what the animal that you just you know you harvested but just having the best possible product yeah you know like, like if you can have a grouper that comes up and it's processed the traditional way versus a grouper that's processed this way and i put them on the same plate you're gonna you're gonna pick one i know you're gonna pick one yeah. every single time so why not do it yeah. you know it just makes sense but I'm, I'm gonna have yanni's gonna be like all right i caught this kingfish <laughs> i can shove this wire up his yeah. ass where do i put it <laughs> just <laughs> it's just north of the ass that's where you gotta go
2: <laughs> all right listen you guys can find him on instagram at mr benny ortiz right that's he what is at. master angler he is the pioneer of slow pitch jig and just an all-around um you know waterman outdoorsman and you know we really appreciate you you coming on the show today? Do we have any church announcements to make here? We got your seminar coming up, yeah. Um, but you know, and just just stay tuned and you know, follow follow him because he's really got a lot of great things to share. Um, are we good? We we have it? the what? i got mean, the sponsors, yeah. But but I just want to make sure there wasn't anything. The Starbright thing. Listen again, we need your nominees for the Starbright Solutions um Coastal Cleanup Program that we're doing. Uh, it's really really important. Tag at Sea Red Wine um uh, tag at uh starbright underscore com tag at connected by water tag at dinosaur art you don't have to tag them all you just really have to tag one of them the message will be heard um to, to make your nominations clear um all right so i want to thank uh thank our sponsors joey cardi chrysler dot cheap ram uh, if you're in the market for a new truck or a vehicle give them a call um price service and selection is outstanding um our good friends at Papa's Pilar room, our family at Papa's Pilar room who, uh, shout out to Papa's Pilar a hundred percent. And we had Mike call us today and it's, it's always nice to hear from Sir Myatt um, and, and, and all those guys. And we really love being part of that fraternity. Um, there you are keeping the Hemingway tradition alive. Uh, we want to thank our buddies over at Papa's raw bar. I uh, remind you to eat, drink and be local. Go ahead and download their app to get connected to your local community. Right? And um, happy, uh, well, you can't say happy Memorial Day because Memorial Day is what it is. So I hope everyone enjoyed their Memorial Day weekend, their day off, and do not ever forget why you have that day off. Right? So right, we're going to sign off. Your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> Always do your best. And at the end of the day, just let God do the rest. And do not ever forget, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're all connected. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Yep. Okay.